In today's show, we're going to talk about the GT4 getting serviced, reviewing the 356 out on the road, Christmas gift ideas, and Ajmal wants to talk about the evolution of expectations of a new sports car. Welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast. Hello, Ajmal. You're stressed, my friend. I am. I am. I'm. I, I'm. It's December. I'm in England, and I'm sweating. And it's For the all the wrong sweat reasons. of stress. <laughs> yes, all the wrong reasons. I'm sweating, um, and it's mostly just because uh, my daughter, my older daughter, is ill. Ooh. She's got a temperature, sore throat. Uh, she's off school. And you know, it, you know, it's bad when the school phones you and says you need to come and get her. That is that is a dreaded and call from a parent. It is, and she is the one who is never ill, hasn't been through throughout all the pandemic, hasn't even had the sniffles, and then suddenly she's ill. The little one's four, and just being a four-year-old, um, and my wife's gone out for the evening, and I'm putting the two girls to bed, putting them to bath. Then the shopping arrives. Then another parcel arrives. Then I've got to take a phone call for work, and then I've, and then, I've, and then you know domestic stuff. Then I hung up the washing. <laughs> so I thought I would like clothes to wear, you know, day after tomorrow. And then I ran upstairs and I'm literally sat down, and I can breathe. Okay, time to calm down, my friend. We're doing Porsche talk. No, but I don't even have, my, have a cognac or anything. We can pause so I can get one. <laughs> You sound like you need one. The Well, I'm sweating because right now at 20 minutes past 4 a.m., it is 24 degrees. And this room in my house does not have air conditioning, just like that room in your house where you sit and do this podcast doesn't have heating. Am I, am I allowed to tell the list, all four listeners that you're wearing a vest? Uh, just for listeners' sake particularly here in Australia and the US, the term vest means singlet, undershirt. That is correct. That is exactly what I'm wearing. Hey, you don't even know if I've got pants worse. on, do you? That sounds... You don't even know if I've got pants on. I don't want to know. <laughs> that sounds worse. And it's also, do you call flip-flops thongs? No. We use the no. term, term flip-flop. The, the word thong is a word here in Australia that is used to describe footwear, not underwear. Okay. But I, the Americanization and, of our language here in Australia, the term thong is fast becoming what rappers' girlfriends wear in music videos. Right. But it used to be a thong was footwear. Correct. And it still is, but we don't use that term in our house. The term in our house is flip-flop. And is, uh, if I said lounge, would you, would you say that was a sofa or was that a room? Uh, both in the same way we don't use the term crisp to describe a, a potato item we use the term chip but that also describes a hot chip here in Australia <laughs> it's so confusing and yet you know supposedly we speak the same language <laughs> I don't know how we went down this sort of you know segue tangent yeah, rabbit hole. but uh, yeah let, let's 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 not talk about potato based snacks as much as I love them um, both types. let's talk about yeah exactly both those types um i got me thinking they're about so salty now. in this so um good. i know and uh <laughs> have you ever seen that actually i'm gonna go off on another tangent now and my brothers hate me for using this but you know when something is so good have you ever seen that email you remember when you know the early 2000s it was a different time People used to send joke emails and they used to get forwarded on all the time. Ah, yes, yes. And there's only one that I remember That's out of all of them. Yeah, tell me. And and I might have told you about this already, but it's the one where it's from the US. It was on the side of a bus and it was for a sofa store. And he was called the Sofa King. And the tagline was, because our prices are Sofa King low. <laughs> 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 and, I've, and I've and I've always quoted that. And whenever my wife says it's something's good, 
I always go, it's so fucking good. <laughs> she, she always groans and rolls her eyes at me and my brothers do the same. But then I started doing another one, which is from Family Guy. And I think I have told you about this one, which is when they talk about the Canadian president, Justin Trudeau. And Peter Griffin says he's very good looking. And Cleveland says it's Trudeau. <laughs> so when I say something's so freaking good and so I rolls her eyes and I just say it's Trudeau <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh every time and I feel like I've just lost you know you know 75% of our four listeners you know you know how the uh the nuance of language started this conversation yes we don't his name isn't pronounced Trudeau here in Australia nor is it pronounced is like it? that in Canada it's Trudeau. Yeah, but not in Family Guy. It's yeah, okay. Trudeau. <laughs> yeah, fair cop. Hey, um, <laughs> I had the Jetty Four service yesterday, and 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 you you kind of look okay about it, which makes me think it was quite a smooth. Uh, I would thing. suggest that Porsche Centre Perth, my local, which is as close to me as. Your Porsche Center is to you. It's about five Ooh. kilometers, six kilometers from here, which is also. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say it's really close, and it's like a six-hour drive. <laughs> like a good West Australian would. That's yeah, okay, fair enough. The, yeah. Uh, no, it's also where I bought the car because it's the only Porsche Center oh. in West Australia. In fact, the next close closest Porsche Center is probably in Singapore. In a straight line. Wow. What's, oh, no, no, no. Actually, it's not true. Melbourne's closer than Singapore. Sydney's not. So I don't know if there's one in Adelaide. It might be. That one would actually be closer. That would only be about 2,800 kilometres away. The um, How many what do you reckon there are in Australia? I always, I always think they're, they're in every big city, but they're not, are they? No, so maybe eight. Six or eight. There's a couple in Melbourne, maybe wow. three in Melbourne, two in Sydney, I think. The uh, one in Perth, one in, oh, there's one in Brisbane and one in the Gold Coast, I think. Anyway, so oh, the wow. dealing with them was good. Service people were very good. I got the phone call after dropping off saying, it's okay, Mark, everything else is good. You don't have any unexpected expenses over and above the service costs. The call no one ever gets, I received, which was nice. Um, the big cringe factor expense for my car is I have PCCBs, the ceramic brakes. So when they wear, that's a very big cost. However, they've worn just over one millimetre in the life of the car since 2016, and that includes a lot of track work in that time. Well, I want to say a lot, say average three to four times a year. So oh, wow. the PCCBs are not only clean, so you don't have to wash brake dust off your wheels, they clearly have longevity, which is nice to know. Um, yeah, overall, good. Car's fine. It feels the same as when it went there. Did they do anything? They say they did. They stamped the book. Didn't feel any different, so I'll have to assume the best. So what was it that you had that was done? Which kind of service? It's an intermediate service, service, so it's like oil filters, air filters, uh, brake fluid flush, because I got asked whether I wanted to have high temp brake fluid done or standard brake fluid. Um, there's a list there, I can't remember, but that's intermediate service apparently, which is done every other year. All right. Or okay. something like that. I think there's minor service, intermediate service, and major service. I think the major service is like every four years or something like that, is my understanding. Mm. Oh, no, I'd have to go through the book and double check so, it. Maybe a listener out there can tell us. That is pretty good, though, just uh, not nothing out of the ordinary because... It's a good well, car. It's that, relatively modern. Really yeah, that's true, and it, it's Trudeau. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, you know, everything's up to date. There's no deferred maintenance on that car. No. So, it, you know, it's not going to stack up, whereas... This year, mine has stacked up a little bit. So I've had, obviously, the oil change done. I've had the 
discs or rotors, as some people might call them, <laughs> and uh, speaking a language. And um, uh, yeah, pads, rotors, um, and now I've had two tires done. So that is over a thousand pounds. So probably about twelve to fourteen hundred pounds that I've spent this year, which is a lot in the lifetime of me owning it to spend in a year because last year, for example, I don't think I spent anything. That's like 20% of what you paid for the car. Pardon? That's like 20% of what you paid for your car, isn't it? I know, which is mad. But I think... Thank Christ, mine wasn't. (laughs) Well, mine in four years, nearly four years of ownership, so in three months, it'll be four years. I've, I'm still under total cost of ownership, total cost, buying it and every penny I've spent on it. Or not, still under not spent pounds. on it in your case, yes. Not spent on it. Is, uh, I'm still under £12,000. Which is still under market value. Yeah, which is nuts. And I drove it today um, after a while again. And, um, and with the, cause I've, I've only had the new tyres for about, a week and a bit or two weeks and this is only the second time i've driven it since i've had those on and it was great sounded great um although there's now i'm a little bit worried about this little noise that when i don't know why i did it but when i parked it back up i'd been out for a, a bit of a blast in it so i gave it the beans all around back the country lanes and i bought it back and i parked it up and i opened the door and i revved it and there's a slight squeak at the top of the the reference when you give it just a, a rev on the spot, and there's a slight squeak. I don't know if that's a pulley, or I don't know what that might be. So uh, sure. I think I do need to go and see Jack. Which means money. It does. Um, oh, I'll tell you something happened during the service. Not. Two other things. One, when I was, um, I dropped the car off and then went and did some work. And on my way back, I caught the train, was walking across to the uh, Town, expecting the phone call, or I've also got a, um, a workplace not far from there. So I was heading that general direction. As I'm walking past, I could hear a flat six at very high revs come belting down the road. As I look up, I can see my number plate coming towards me and hearing it at about 7,500 RPM. <laughs> Oh, no. With a sports exhaust open, it sounded amazing. But hang on, that's my car getting, getting the, getting the uh, going uh, probably slightly outside the legal limit in the area that it was getting done in. So that was an interesting conversation I had with the uh, technician. And uh, there were some pretty interesting cars in the Porsche Centre for a change that I don't know if you saw, I posted last night. There was, um, I did. Yeah, there was uh, a couple of. Three of them were PTS cars. Oh, no, two of them were PTS cars. So there was a. Is, is that a, a Taycan? The Taycan with the that ty- that stood out. That one oh, it looked yeah, amazing, yeah. didn't it? Like, oh, the, you'd never it looked... buy it, but it's that that color looked. No, for listeners, you can't hear this. You, firstly, you could check out my Instagram at Mark and Cars. That's Mark with a C. But there is a like a metallic light blue uh, Taycan with the color coded wheels. In the same colour, it was brand new. It still had some plastic on the body. It hadn't been prepped for sale yet, so it must have just been dropped off that day and was partially had the plastics and stuff removed after transport but wasn't fully done yet. But, yeah, it looked incredible. And there was also a maybe an Irish green or oak green 991 GD3 Touring, which was not a common colour that I've seen here. I know it's a very on-trend for 992s at the moment, that dark green for PDS GD3 Tourings and a 924 in, again, another a slightly darker metallic blue. And it was a very sweet-looking 924. Like, it looked like it was appreciated, unlike a lot of 924s, just because I, I just don't see them on the road anymore, Ajmal. No. Um, They've dropped I, by the wayside. I don't even see that many 944s, actually. There's some, I, that's not true, only for the reason that someone in my village owns a sort of a brown, a, not not brown, a dark grey 944. Um, but 
I, I don't see a 944. I don't see 924. And obviously you don't. And obviously, I, I, I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I saw a 914. They're quite a bit more rare. Yeah, they are rare. They are, I would suggest today that 924s are now as rare on the road. And I think they're of that era of that early 80s cost of vehicle versus cost of repair cycle of their life. So the the shit ones are done. You know what I mean? They've been crushed or broken yeah. up or whatever happens to those cars, you know, as did a lot of other cars of that era, particularly European cars where cost of repair was a lot greater than value of vehicle. Like, you know, they're yeah. up there with old Saabs that you just don't, 900s you just don't see on the road anymore and cars like that, you know. So the rarity is purely economic as opposed to manufacturing numbers, I'd suggest. But anyway, it was that was definitely in there getting some work done. And that was, yeah, all four of the, oh, and the fourth car was a Python Green 991.2 GT3 RS. No, Lizard Green, sorry, not Python Green, with a matching Lizard Green Just interior. That real colour, Lizard Green. That is, yep. How about the fact you've got Condor Green, it. Python Green and Lizard Green? And they all look like the same colour to me. Sorry out there for any listeners that have one of those nuances, but I don't have the eye to appreciate the, any of the differences. I just think some of the the colour things, like, you know, paint sample and the way that people talk about the colours, and it's not... I don't know. I mean, there's, there's lots of colours on that palette that people have, will have chosen and gone, that's a bit different. But in five, six, seven years, you know, some of them will be out of favour, then they'll come back into favour, whereas the, you know, the black ones, the grey ones, the... The, the, the standard colours that everyone goes keeps going back to, they will just be middling. They'll never really be in. They'll never really be out. And they'll always be the ones that people put their money in. But the others will come and go, come and go, come and go. And I, and I just think there's the big hoo-ha about it. I am not can't really get excited about it. Well, look, I, there's two reasons to me why there's hoo-ha. Firstly, I want to finish on the GT3 RS. Perfect colour for it. That type of car, which is all big and shouty and look at me. You know, in this, and it looks similar to that green that was used on the 2.7 RS back in the day when, you know, all the RS cars look like Skittles, whereas today yeah. people buy RS cars and make them look like a grayscale variation, which I don't get. But, you know, I'm also not this, I'm not in the uh, fortunate position to choose what color GD3 RS I'm buying. And I, I would, if I was in the market for one, buy a PDS. I would get a kooky colour. Would you? Um, because I don't well, think... Well, it's hard for me to... When it comes mm. to rare colours like that, I don't think they actually go out of fashion because I don't think they've ever been in fashion. Yeah, there is that. So the fact that but, they are so unique and you're not going to get another one in a... You're very unlikely to see another one in the same colour ever is part of the appeal to me. Of PDS. Now, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't buy a Ruby Star red one because, you know, every second Oxter and Cayman seems to be Ruby Star red on Instagram lately. But the, as much as I love that, like I don't ever get a Ruby Star red career or RS, you know, like a 964 or something like that. But the, which I do like that colour, but I just wouldn't ever buy a new car that colour. The, mm. yeah, so. Yeah, I definitely, like, I was on the configurator the other day and spec'd up a new GD3 RS and it was a kooky colour. I have not uh, been on the configurator since the GT3, new GT3 has been launched, since the GT3 RS has been launched. Oh, no, maybe I have. I think I went on there just to look at what the uh, starting price for an RS was. I think that's the only thing a lot. I did. It's a lot. Um, but, and that's without, you know, Vysak or anything like that, which presumably everybody's going to get, but it's, it's the same thing again, isn't it? Where it's people buy stuff because they go, oh, well, you've got to have the Vysak, um, with, with any GT3 RS that you buy, but then you think, well, actually in five, six, seven years time, the rarity of the one without people will seek that out. 
And it's they're just... rare. They're going to be rare anyway. Look at just seeing 991 GD3 RSs when they come up for sale now. You know, they're now yeah, that's true. as expensive as what they were when they were new. So they've done that, taken the hit, and now they're back up to, you know, original sell price, if not above here in Australia. So that's, mm. you know, the look, I think the one I spec'd up came out at $671,000. Oh my god! I know. Wow. But I'd have to have. That's insane. The only reason I get the Vysak pack, or two reasons I get the Vysak pack, is one: I want magnesium wheels. I love the color, but you can only get them if you've got the Vysak pack. And two, they offer a carbon roll cage. How can you not have a carbon roll cage? I don't even care. It doesn't work. I want that thing in my car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, we, I mean, we talk about. It's not that we're in the market for it. It's not, it's not the make and break of me buying this car. It's There was no make, you know what I mean? It's, it's only break, so I may as well get exactly as I want when I'm window shopping. Well, we always go about it is window shopping and we talk about, you know, lottery money, um, but I, a money no object. But I also think that if if I'm being really honest, you know, I, I would never in a million years buy a GT3 RS. <laughs> or maybe even a GT3, I just wouldn't. I'd never go to a track, and I don't want to buy a car to look at. Um, yeah, I want to do and, all those things. Yeah, I, know. I know you do. You've already said, yeah. <laughs> and it's just that I, I can't bring myself to buy something and just park it somewhere. And I know you... you yeah, you've done say, that with two cars already. Yeah, that is true. That is true. No, that's not through choice, though. Of course it is. You've subconsciously already done this by the fact that you use storage no yes no yes extenuating circumstances how long was the mg in storage Mm, uh, two years maybe that that was that was because i didn't have access to it and i didn't have a garage now if i get a garage in the next six months and my 912 is in the garage Anytime there's an opportunity, I'll be out in that thing. Okay, listeners, you're going to hear it here first. We will test Ashmal on how often his cars actually get used, even when they're in his own garage, once his garage gets built. This will be a topic for conversation that I'm going to drop on you like a bomb after the garage has been in place for six months. You watch as soon as one of the listeners builds me a garage, (laughs) then I'll be straight on. I would drive it every day. Apart when the mother's good. Fair enough. Hey, uh, I want to talk about, I've got some books that have turned up this week at my house. Here's the first one. The, uh, what's this called? Oh. It is a graphical report by Matt Kubiak of Eric Strenger, the artist that Porsche used. Uh, he's famous for all the posters that he Drew for the Porsche company, all the promo stuff, all that type of thing. So his art is very iconic with the Porsche brand. So this ter- I actually ordered this a long time ago, like I reckon seven months, that sort of period. It's a product from the Porsche Museum archives. So I do have several books Ooh. from the archive. I've got History of the 917 and also the... History of the Carrera motor, which is, you know, the four cam Furman motor. Yep. So that was, that's turned up this week, the last couple of days, which is, I'm looking forward to getting knuckling into that. And I also got sent a book from someone that I didn't expect. And that book is Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Oh, did Jerry Seinfeld send it to you? Look, what I will say is potentially a future guest who is in the book sent the book to me. It was Eddie Murphy, wasn't it? <laughs> it was Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no, it wasn't. The, um, <laughs> um, we're not going to do a process of elimination. Just leave it at that, Ajmal. Okay. 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 So a future guest. I haven't even had a chance to open this yet. Actually, Eddie Murphy's on the cover. I didn't even think about that. Look. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> why I said <laughs> In... A, I'm looking at the cover. I think it might be a nine. Not oh no, it's in a seven eighteen. Oh, is it? I think it's a seven eighteen spider. 
Oh, sorry, 918 Spider. Anyway, I'll find out when I read the book. So it was, uh, yeah, quite a pleasant surprise, the Jerry Seinfeld book, so I'm looking forward to going through that as well. It's actually, it's, it's a lot of reading, not just pictures in that book. And it's a big book too, big heavy thing. Like the postage would have cost a bomb. Not as much as, I look, I'll tell you what books I haven't got is Bart's books, The Flat Six Love Affair. Yes. There's, um, Do you have any of his books? I haven't got any of his books, no, but I think for you to, it's like he said, didn't he, when, you, when we had him on, he said, you cost know, people of, ordering them from Australia, it's like yeah. a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah the cost right. of shipping yeah. is more than the, yeah. All the, the cost of the All the wages in Australia. <laughs> but the thing is, he's, um, I think, which is why we want to get him back on to talk about it, um, he is, he's doing like a, a best of, not best of, Greatest it's almost hits. like um, Brady's Hits, yeah, but also it's got stuff in there that um, that didn't make the previous ah. ones. Cuttings so from the editing um, floor. Exactly. It's a director's cut, kind of. Art, are you cashing in? No. That's maybe, maybe he's doing that Avatar thing. Oh. You know, where, so he's, make, he's, he's, where, he's, he's got another seven books in him without doing any more work. That's it. Yeah. He's going to sort of go do a gold edition, platinum edition, remastered edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, the, I, the, the latest one I've seen, it did, it did look nice. Oh, all these books look nice. I've seen them on a shelf. I've flicked through them on someone else's shelf, but... I feel like it might, that might be a, a collection of books that have escaped my grasp. They've escaped my the capabilities of my wallet. Ah, yeah, okay. Is that, what's that, yeah, look, there definitely is that as well because I think, yeah, the oh look, a lot of work goes into them. They pro, they they should be the price they are. As is often the yeah, case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's not a, a criticism. They they are a thing to behold and to keep. They are one of those things that you. It's like a, it's like almost like a car that you look at, but it's put away uh, and using and look at it again and again and again. Yeah, I, I our podcast is the last one of one before where we discussed nine nine two touring. Yeah, I had a listener reach out to me. We asked people to come to us about how they use it how they use these cars, who's buying them, what are they like. And this gentleman, David Myers, in Australia, sent me through, hi, Mark, just listen to your 992T pod. I had a 991.2T, manual, no sunroof, four ways, wife has bad knees, no lightweight buckets. was a great car but had to special order it and manual. Every dealer had a couple on the showroom floor but all PDK. Now have a 991.2 GT3 Touring, which I do drive 14,000 kilometres in the last 18 months. One other thing, if you want a manual 911 in Australia, only available in GT3, GDS, and now the T. Had a mate was desperate for a manual 911S, but had to and could afford to go to a GDS, but for the but for others, T is a great option if you want a manual in a 992. So that was uh, some interesting info from David, who has had first-hand experience mm. on trying to buy. Because remember, we just I said you could the earliest car you could get in a manual. I thought was a Carrera S. They don't do a T. I oh, say they don't do a Carrera in a manual anymore. And you were flabbergasted that mm. this was the case. You might recall. Yeah, but it turns out it's North America get a Carrera S in a manual. Australia don't. So the GDS was the wow. low spec manual. Carrera you could buy in Australia in a with stick shift before the Carrera T came out. And is that now an extortionate price if you were to find one even for sale? Which one, the GDS or the Carrera T? The GDS manual. Um, yeah, they are. Oh, look, all GDSs are. I, I would suggest that if you didn't want to wait, you're paying a premium over. Mm, yeah, because over here it's the, it's the same with production times. You know, it's just but even the nine nine one 
1.1 GTS in a manual, I think is a bit of a unicorn car. Yeah, because it's non-turbo. Yeah. And, you know, it's a naturally aspirated motor with a clutch. Yeah, there's not um, – or pedal clutch pedal, sorry. Yeah, there's uh, – it's the same here. They're a highly sought-after car. There's plenty of I, not, there's plenty of turbo GDSs on the market at the moment though. I think they're one of those cars that pure Porsche enthusiasts are um, appreciate but didn't really buy. They tend to be bought by people new to the brand. Like it's one of those cars mm. that you know if you've never owned a Porsche sports car before, what do you buy? You buy the GDS. That's that type of car. And now as people getting out of them into, say, an M4 or another car of comparable expense or calibre to try it, just to try it, just for the sake of trying something different, the um, the market's had a bit of a flood on those cars. But they're nearly all PDK. Very few of those GDSs that are in the market are mm. manual gear shift. I've never, I've never driven a 911 PDK. Really? So- yeah, so I should I skip that. My friend's got one. He's got a 997 convertible cab. Yep. PDK. I should ask him if I can drive that. Um, and that's a Carrera S, I think, from about 2007? No. Eight, maybe. So I, should, I, should, I, would, I would love to try. I've driven, you know, the only PDK that I've driven is the... Is the Macan GTS okay? Which you know, which is fine, but you know, when you're doing warp speed and you don't really know you're when doing you want warp to go wickety wickety whack on those paddles, you don't want to do it in a Macan, you want to do it in a 911, don't you? Exactly, yeah. Because the thing is, it's and also the way that modern cars rev, so and I used I used the paddles on my wife's Golf R and. Because you could, there were so many different ways that you could use that car. Sure. You could use it just automatic. You could go into race mode. You could then go sequential on the stick. Mm-hmm. Just push it left and you can go up and down. Or you could use the paddles. And, you know, you just think, that's just too too many different ways to drive it. But sometimes you just come around a corner. And because I wasn't used to driving an automatic and the road would be clear, I'm on a, on a carriageway. And it's clear, and I just think, oh, I'm just going to floor that. So you just do a, a double tap on the left paddle and drop it two gears and go. But sometimes when you come around the bend and you're in the wrong gear because you've got to check, look at the dash and go, which gear am I in? And you do, and you end up in first. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and it's the re- and the needle's bouncing off the rev limiter, and you're just like, oh my god, I'm going to blow the engine up. But the thing is, it it revs so easily. And it's not, you know, an older car, when you rev it too high and you kind of feel physical pain because <laughs> you think oh, it's about to explode. And I do that with my 912 yeah. when, I'm, when I'm giving it all the beans. And I just think, oh, God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to explode. It's loud. I'm gritting my teeth. Same with my 996 when I was out in it today. You know, I, I was, because I haven't driven it for so long, I didn't want to rev it over 6,000. So I took it to just over six. And... Again, I was thinking, oh, my God, what, what, you know, is it going to explode? And I'm just, like, really tense. And you just think, you don't get that feeling in a new car. Well, I'll, 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 I'm going to propose this thought, and I would like any listener out there to prove me wrong. On a PDK or flappy paddle gearbox in other brand, TCT and BMW, whatever it is, it's in whatever car, no one ever changes down one gear. Ooh. I reckon whenever you change down in an auto or a variation on the dual clutch gearbox, you always hit the button twice or hit the pedal twice, whatever you change it down. Because it's always you only ever do it to give it the beans. Exactly. That's that's my two cents. Let me hear from anyone out there who tells me, look, you probably do on a track, but that's a very different place. I'm talking about on the roads when you're just whacking around. If you think, well, I'm going to change down manually here in my automatic gearbox, I bet you never do it only once. You hit, it, hit the lever twice or hit the button twice is, my two, is what my observation is. Why is, it, why is it in Italian sports cars you get the, 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 the paddle or 
is massive. They're, they're huge, aren't they? they? They kind of run along, almost run along the steering wheel. It's because they Whereas usually in, don't in, rotate with the steering wheel, and the German cars ones do rotate with the steering wheel. That is a good point. Yes, they do, because on the Golf they did. They, they're on the steering wheel. Yeah, so that's why there. I suggest that they are larger so that they cover your turning of the steering wheel, let a guess. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I can no, see. I'm just trying to go yeah. through the motion and think, well, if... Yeah, as well as driving a car, like, he's, I can see his foot pumping the clutch at the moment, right? <laughs> I, I haven't done the run, run, run yeah. but if, you, if you're mid-turn and the paddle isn't moving... Where you want to be. Yeah, where you want it to be. But your hand's coming off the, the steering wheel to do it with a manual shift anyway. Anyway, the point where I was getting to was... How often do you downshift two gears if you've got a manual, though? Not very often, is it? Um, no, I do, I do it often. You, what, you go from, like, sixth to fourth, or you go from – is that that one I'd believe, but I don't reckon you go fourth to second very often. Uh, or third I, to first. The one I do a lot. To attack a corner. No, I, I do fifth to third a lot. Oh, yeah, okay. So normally when you're at low speeds and then suddenly you go, oh, there's a bit of open bit of road, I think I'll give it a bit. You don't want to go completely crazy because you're in a residential area. You don't want to make so because the car's noisy. But you can just drop it from fifth to third and it's quite it, it's quite a nice little, you know, hit of performance. Yep. But um, you're not making so much noise that it's upsetting all of the local residents. And I do that quite often. Fourth to second is probably one that I would do most if I was completely going bonkers on it. Yep. Um, because fourth, you still get if you if the revs are in the right range, you still you know if you floor it, you still get that little you know push back into your seat. But if you then go, oh, there's an open bit of road, and I'm going to completely thrash the life out of it and hit the rev limiter, then it's second. Um, but with um, with a, a paddle shift. You're right. You're more likely to do two because the only time you'll use the paddles on the roads is when you go, oh, I need to shift down two so I can get the revs high. I also associate paddle shift cars with turbo cars. I don't um, really associate with naturally aspirated cars. I like sure GD3s. You know, but outside of those, nearly every other paddle shift car I've driven, I reckon, has got a snail on it. So I wonder if that's something to do with a double shift on, you know, banging the revs right up to give you the mumbo. I don't know. I mean, that 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 would make sense simply because of that Golf R situation where yeah, well, I accidentally put it into turbo. first. <laughs> yeah, that would have been terrible. And it, and the revs are so high, and it's so. It doesn't feel like the engine's straining at all, and mm -hmm. it's you know over seven thousand RPM, and you and it's not you know making the noise that you you just go oh my god I've I've risked my teeth and I'm grinding my teeth because I think the engine's going to explode. It's just handling it. It's fine because it's a it's a new car and it's turbo powered. But you know if I accidentally went from fifth to third instead of fifth to third, I went fifth to first in my nine nine six. It'd probably Half the engine will come out of the exhaust, probably. <laughs> Possibly. Um, before I jump into my next topic, let's talk about your preferred conversation piece right now about the evolution of expectations of a new sports car. What did that mean to well, you? I, I, well, I was thinking about it um, earlier today, actually, just as a, a random thought, because I walked past the Lamborghini garage. And these cars that look absolutely extravagant, you know, the STO and all of those, oh, and yeah, big yeah, Aventador, yeah. Mm -hmm. and 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 we used to be obsessed by numbers. And you and you remember when you know the McLaren F1 uh, and the Lamborghinis, the Diablo, Mach Largo, or they, it was all about numbers. The Ferrari F40, the nine five nine. It was all about the numbers and how much performance you can get out of these cars. Yep. And the advent of Tesla and performance, EV, not performance EVs, just bog standard EVs with that yeah, acceleration, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and they just beat everything on the numbers. And but even though you know big supercars are being made with 0 60 and two point whatever seconds because they're part hybrid and you know four turbos and whatever it might be, and a, and a V6, a V8, well they're making V12 now. Um, 
And but whereas now it's gone back to what I always thought it should have been. It's about the experience of driving it and it's usable, accessible power, which but I've always thought that's how that's it should how, be. Like, that's hard to communicate for a yes. reviewer or a journalist or, you know, actually communicating that we're saying zero sixty in X or X horsepower or X newton metres foot pound feet of torque or whatever your metrics are. I agree with you. I actually think other than the numbers, the other thing that's evolved in the expectations of a sports car is, and this is a, I think is a result of the sporty SUV market is that cars have to do more now. You know, like, Historically, a 912 or an early 911 wasn't the GT-style car that a 992 is. You know, a 992 mm. has to be able to do a track time and cross a continent comfortably at 150 miles per hour and get two um, carry-on travel cases in the front bonnet and also have room in the back for seats. But wasn't that what and have fuel economy e types and what wasn't that what e types and Daytonas and DB fives were? No, oh, they were more, the they were they were literally GT cars. Those there wasn't an expectation of those cars to do good track times. In that era, if you want to do a good track time, you were buying a Lotus or something like that. You know what I mean? You, you wouldn't have the same car to try and do all those things. And I think that's the case up until the the yeah you know, the cars are becoming more and more required to do more of that type of thing. I think anyway. Look, so I remember reading about the E-Type and, you know, the when it was launched. Yeah. By the way, I don't remember it being launched because, you know, it was a long time before I was born. Um, but but the reading the reviews about it, the numbers were for that car. The journalist at the time said that those numbers are good enough to win Le Mans because it was supposed to do 0 to 16, 7 seconds, mm-hmm. if not under, and 150 miles an hour top speed and sometimes i think yeah that's what they said but did it actually do that <laughs> even though i'm a big fan of the type but but when you think about you're right cars now no it's not only that they're able to do that you cars back then those type of cars were bought by enthusiasts whereas now anyone could go and buy a 911 PDK or manual, whatever it might be, and just get in it and drive it. Drive it every day because they're that easy to drive and they're that um, – they can be that docile. Yeah. And they've got so many things on them that will stop you putting it into a wall. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. There's, there's still, you know, idiocy that can overcome all of those things and still put it into a wall. But your, <laughs> but your average person <laughs> – yeah, Mark's pointed at me and him – that is true. Um, but the average person could just get into that. You know, if someone just says, I fancy a 911 because I want a sports car, they'll go and buy one, just use it every day. Great. Like they did with the Boxster. And, like, and it all started probably with the 996 uh, for the 911 because that's the first one that became everybody's everyday car, which is why there's so many of them with, you know, mileage to the moon and back. And whereas back, when E-Types, DB5s and old 911s and 912s were not niche, but they were they were bought by enthusiasts because they they weren't you weren't able to just sit in them on the motorway for 70 miles an hour for three hours. I'll give you a good example uh, of this. Whereas exactly the point. Well, I just want to reinforce the point you're talking about. The last time I went to the track over here, yeah, you know, I've done really see probably done about I don't know, 150 laps of the um, local track, which is about um, for me, about a 67-second lap type thing. And I've had instructors point me out, you know, how I could get faster, that sort of thing, and I've refined my processes and understanding of the track and get a better feeling for the car, that sort of thing. So I've done a lot of work to try and get to the best version of me around that track. And there was a club member who turned up, never been to the track before, in his first ever Porsche that he bought the week before, a GD3. Wow. And was three and a half seconds faster. Never been the track, you know, wow. never, you know, just because he could afford to, bought a GD3, you know, and 
um, a new well, current model GD3, not brand new. He bought it from a um, hitting an allocation. He bought it from another um, owner who had a couple of them. And yeah, that's just reinforces your point of the cars are that good. Not to take away, this guy may actually just have a lot of natural talent combined with an amazing motor car, don't get me wrong. But yeah, the cars, he hasn't done any setup on his car. He's just bought it, driven yep. it to the track with fuel in it, put a helmet on, made sure he had a fire extinguisher, and off he goes, right? And yeah, just completely knocks the metrics on the head. Yeah, and, and, then, and then they become meaningless, don't they? Because then you just go, well... Yeah, I can I can chase lap time against myself, mm-hmm. and or I can look for other people in similar, if not exactly the same car, and compare myself against them. But there'll be most people turning up, like you say, they'll turn up with a brand new car, you know. And there's and there's people with serious money who will just have a car in the garage, and it'll get picked up by somebody, taken to a track, and there'll be a, a detailer, there'll be a tire person. And they'll just thrash the life out of it, get better and better and better lap times. Then their tire person will come along, put new tires on it, put it back in their garage. And you just think, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it, what that actually means for, you know, relative to back in the day where people put a lot of effort into setting a car up, to getting suspension, all the aftermarket stuff. Um, and then get it, optimizing that setup to get the best performance. Whereas, uh, and and also making sure that you didn't blow the car up. Whereas now, it's you know you could you could just go and buy a, a bog standard nine eleven, and hit the track and just set a great time, have a great time, um, have a have a great time doing it. Um, but there's there's nothing else to it, and just drive home in it as long as you don't bin it. Yeah, I just just. A career S. I'm going to say, I'm, I did just, sorry, listeners out there, I did say just a career S. A career S is an amazing motor car. But a new career S, it's 450 horsepower. That's. Which is insane. That was GT2 numbers not that long ago. Yeah. It's insane. And that, for that car to be considered, well, and actually, that's more of a GT car. You think that's more? It's usable. It's 450, yes. like, Widowmakers, you know, 930s from the 80s, that were 300 horsepower cars. Mm. This is 50% more horsepower and no one's getting killed in them for, you yep. know, because of the turbos are yep. coming on song too hard and too fast. Oh. Exactly, and it's got all those other stuff that goes with controlling it. It's nannies. just, I mean, you could still be, anyone could still be an idiot and, you know, be doing ETU or 100 miles an hour down a, a tiny street and, and kill somebody and themselves. Yep. Um, but I but I just think in a controlled environment, you could just enjoy it to its maximum and then drive home in it. Whereas I don't I don't know I don't exactly know what point I'm trying to make, but it's really just that there was a time that it was an enthusiast who would make a big decision to buy it, to do all sorts of stuff to it. And then there was that factor of, I might lose my money. I might crash it. I might lose it. Whereas now anyone could just wake up one day and go, I've got money. I'm going to go and buy a 911 and then do whatever they want with it. And this is not no a Porsche problem. This is a society problem. That is true. And I don't know if that's me just saying, well, actually, someone could be driving a nine eleven down the road, and they just they just don't they don't care. They're not a car person. It doesn't it could matter. Be that. The that same person could also. Own it. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. They've just gone nine eleven. Oh, I've heard of a nine eleven. I fancy having one of those. It doesn't matter what it does, how it forms, and it could be the same person who buys next week buys thinks Tesla. actually, I, yeah, exactly. I don't want a nine eleven or a Tesla, and yeah, no, no car person's going to buy you know your bog standard ev and go that's great your car person's would buy it to say yes i'm going to buy an electric car because it's convenient you know in some um, metric people say it's better for the uh, for the environment which is you know unproven yet but that car person would then go actually it's not a car that i would go out for a blast in to have a, a good time in they'd probably go in a combustion engine, naturally aspirated, older, Manual. classic car. So 
it's it's that person who would go place the same value and it's not monetary value on whether driving a tesla or a 911 it doesn't really make any difference to them it's whatever's in vogue at that time so i still don't know what point i'm trying to make <laughs> on that point i on your suggestion and we should mix up the podcast a bit I did actually record me driving my 356. Would you like to hear it? Ooh. Yes, I would. Okay, let me uh, load her up. and let's. I might have to muck around the volume here a bit. I don't know how well we hear it. Okay. What it's like driving a 356. What I thought I'd do is start it up, take it for a spin, talk you through the process. Uh, this is a ruby red. 356B 1960 model and it has had a mechanical restoration in the last five years had a front disc brake conversion and gets driven probably really see once a week sometimes once a fortnight so it has just the standard coupe seats so they're very flat but in, well sprung and very comfortable uh, has a wooden steering wheel that is 400 millimeters across so it's about 16 inch in the old money I think car's in reasonably good condition everything works as it should hasn't been driven for over a week so i'm about to really cold start it so let me do that got the ignition on give the accelerator a few pumps and start up like a dream i'm not sure how loud the engine noise is i've got my driver's window open it's a warm day here just gonna roll it out of the garage let it warm up for a bit Car has seat belts. It was a modification that was made to it when it was imported from the USA. Uh, it's a four-speed H pattern with the reverses are pushed down to the left and up in all 356s that I've ever driven. The clutch and steering are very light, which is makes driving a car quite nice. So I might just uh, drive around for a couple of minutes and let the car warm up a bit. Now, a lot of people think that 356s just have Volkswagen motors in them, and they do not. Sadly, there are not a lot of parts that are interchangeable with Volkswagen engines, because that would make their maintenance costs significantly less. Yeah, the gear shift has, look, it has a lot of play in it compared to a modern car. It is quite a accurate drop into gear when you do change gears. Like all European cars, it has the indicator on the left side of the steering wheel, regardless if it's a left or right-hand drive car. And this one's actually a left-hand drive car, getting driven in Australia here, right-hand drive country. The gear shifter gets easier to use as the car gets warmer. I'm sure you can hear it's got a... This car has a... Dunsk sports exhaust on it and it also has Weber carburetors. 40, IDF 40s I think they're called. Anyway, the car's chugging along quite nicely here at 2800 RPM at 38, 40 miles an hour in third. Fourth's really only using this car on the highway. brakes are, you know, you've got to use a lot of foot pressure, but the car's light, like the car weighs under 900 kilos, actually I think it's under 800, I think it was 780 kilos when, we, when I weighed it, with fluids and everything in it. car handles quite nicely, it's had all the suspension tightened and tuned up and replaced where needed. So it goes around corners as good as you'd expect at 356 too. So here you go up through the revs there, through the gears. Get a little bit of a backfire there, happens occasionally. I don't have any exhaust leaks, I think it just needs a bit of tuning the carbs. Here the car's running quite nicely. And as warming up now, it really does feel like the sports car it is to drive. Uh, compared to other cars that are 1960 model, this is actually a really good one. 
I've uh, driven other 1960 model cars a few times, and this definitely holds its own because its power, whilst currently puts out probably about 80 or 90 horsepower to the wheels, uh, is more than adequate for its size, and it has no trouble whatsoever keeping up with modern traffic, and even when I go on Porsche runs in this car, it doesn't get left behind with the modern stuff, it's usually the road dictates the speed more so than the power of the vehicle. Sure, when you point and shoot a modern car, it's very different, but we'll talk about that in a modern car when I do my next vehicle review. So it's been a uh, great little car to drive this one, very satisfying. Look, going around the sweepers in these uh, very unsupportive but incredibly comfortable seats, um, great for your core strength for workout. Uh, because of how light everything is and how close the pedals are, the steering wheel does sit exactly in the centre of the seat when you sat in it, but the pedals are slightly offset to the right um, in a left-hand drive car. So the clutch pedal actually sits almost directly under the centre of the steering column to give you a reference point. Uh, everything else is really easily to hand because the actual top of the steering wheel is only about 100 millimetres or 4 inches from the windscreen itself. It's quite an upright car, not like modern cars which have, you know, an acre of uh, real estate on the dash. The performance all round is, yeah, more than adequate for spirited driving, but you're not going to be setting any records, but it's a very uh, satisfying car to drive because, you know, it's a lot of fun without going really fast. Or maybe just feels fast because how little and light and low it is. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this review of driving a 356. And if you ever get the opportunity, when you're talking to an owner, most of them love sharing them. So let them know you've never been in one. They'll probably take you for a spin and meet someone like me. I don't even let you have a drive if you're a uh, current Porsche owner because I love uh, people discovering the simple joy of these old cars. Let's see, Dajbal, how was that? Something stuck out to me suddenly, actually, and it's something I guess I already knew. It's the bit that we said that it's it's not found wanting in, in just general keeping up with day-to-day -day traffic, and it probably weighs under 800 kilograms, and it's 80 to 90 brake horsepower. Yep. Um, my day-to-day -day wagon, which is a 2009 very old Audi A3 1.6 turbo diesel is 90-something brake horsepower. And I suspect it weighs double that. No, it wouldn't be It wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be 1,600 kilos. That thing would only weigh about 1,400 kilos, I reckon, or 1,300 kilos. Well, still. It's still, it's still heavy, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's big. But it's – because when I drive my 912, you know, and – I might think, oh, if it was just a bit faster in some obscure situations. But most of the time, it's absolutely fine. And it's great fun. And like you say, it's it feels fast. It The noise and everything else that goes with it makes it feel fast and, and increases the enjoyment for people like me and you. But in, in terms of performance, you know, I, I don't think as long as they're set up right, I don't think they're fine. You know, people who say, oh, but they're too slow and this, that, whatever. They're not. They're not really. And and also yours is it's not a dog leg first. No, no, because the, the, they don't use the same oh. gearbox as what the 911, 912s do. My, nine, oh, my old yes, 914 had a dog leg first. Is that a 901 gearbox or 905 gearbox, something it's called? Yeah, 901, I think. Yeah, I think it is a 901. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, it's five speed. So, and and it's you know, I think it's a limitation of my brain capacity that the amount of time I never ever found myself until I bought my nine twelve, where I look down to see what gear it's in. What? It's, that's every just, now just and again, you don't drive the nine twelve enough. There, there is that because every now and again I'll look down to see which gear it's in because um, you just know by putting your I hand on the, the shift range. 
Uh, no, most of the time I'm too scared to take each any hand off the steering wheel. <laughs> well, particularly at the moment, the way the steering is, but I can imagine, you know, the... Uh... Oh, God, yeah, exactly. But I really want to get that fixed. And, and you know, I told you my my wife got me the vintage speed um, roof, roof rack. rack. Yeah, yeah. I, and I really want to put that on, like, ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm and and she was and, I, and I've got it in the box. I haven't opened it up because you got to make it. Sure, you make it up. Yeah, yeah. And and it's sat it's sat there. And I want to make it, but then obviously it's sat in the house and it's not on the car. Um, but it's one of those where you know when someone gives you a present and you just oh, that's all you want to think about. He's like you just want to get it out of the box and put it together <laughs> and put it on the car. But it's just I can't do those things and it's really frustrating. But when the weather just turns and when you know that listener who's listening is going to build me a garage, uh, then. I'll um I'll be able to put that on and I'll be out all the time. Good to hear. So listeners, if you could um we'd love some feedback. If you want to hear more of our uh, in-car descriptions of what it's like to get out and about in our cars, it'd be a great excuse for Ajmal to get his car fixed and do one on the 912. Well, the one other thing was I don't I noticed, and it might be that when the listeners listen to it, it'll sound different, a bit like the intro music. I didn't hear the car. I couldn't hear ah, anything of the car. Okay. Um, so that might be that when the listeners listen to it, they'll probably hear it. Or when Ajmal does when we publish it. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, then. I'll, uh, I'll do it. It'll be with- I'm, I may have to jack up levels or something. I may have to actually edit this podcast. No. No, don't do that. I did use like a headset with a microphone when I was doing it. I wasn't using my normal microphone that we podcast on. That may have something uh, to do with it. So anyway, yeah, listen. No, but did you, do you use the usual camera microphone that you use when you're making a YouTube video? I did not. Ah, because in the in your YouTube videos, you can hear the car. Right, so okay. So it might be something to do with that. Well, so not, just get some fake sound and put it over. Yeah, get get some like Ferrari sounds and put it over the top. And see if anybody notices. A two stroke uh, and then ring ding 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 ding. That's it. <laughs> or a Beetle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, the we've I was uh, thinking that we might review our year of podcasts and have a discussion, but that may be a whole podcast in itself. I think it might be because because we love a tangent. Um, well, we we do love a tangent, and and yeah, we've we've been going over an hour already. But I, um, you know, when I think back about this year, and I know we've not been brilliant at being organised and you know getting together often enough, and we we committed. Well, we thought we'd committed to do one a week, um, but you know, life got in the way uh, for both of us. I did, and but when I think back, I will. think about. The guests, but, but it, it will, yeah, in, in uh, inevitably. But when I think back about the guests that we've managed to get on, and it's, I, I still can't, be, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe that we've had some of the guests that we've had. It's been nuts. I know, like we had Max from Nine Works Radio last week. You know, he's a published journalist, which. I don't know if you've listened to his latest podcast on his on Nine Works, but um, they did. He's quite he's quite chuffed about his publication, and we'll get him back on to discuss the uh, nuances of said publication. Yes, I, I think we will, and I will when I wander down to the shop, um, buy Grab a magazine if they've got it, and also um, hopefully he'll he'll on his way to Right Tune next time in his. Brown, nine eleven. Um, I'll uh, he'll be able to stop by because he'll literally be driving this past this village. Yeah, when yep. he goes, uh, so I have to get, see if he's, uh, if he's up for a, a coffee. Yeah, that's but, a great idea. Um, but you know, Lee Sibley he goes that way as well. So I'll have to see if he's the two of them. If Sounds they like head off at the same time. There. Exactly. The, it is. Yeah, so yeah, we've, like you said, we've had some amazing guests and uh, the reason I want to review the episodes 
in their entirety is because it's easy to uh, remember more the most recent ones. Yes. And we've had some crackers. So the uh, that being the case, I think we should um, maybe do next our next episode before the end of the year, if we do one before the end of the year, listeners. <laughs> the uh, we'll go through and yep. review the year that was. That being the case, Ajmal, by the time this is published, it'll only be a couple of days till Christmas. You've got young children. I do too. Is it getting exciting in your house? Um, it not. Well, my wife's excited. She's like super excited. Uh, my girls, because they go to preschool, school, and it's been a long term. And they're just a little bit frazzled by the end of the week. You know, when you just yeah, look at yeah, them and yeah. you pick them up from school yeah. on a Friday and you just go, you just look like you're just done in. School finished last week here. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, over here, it's they're excited. Um, but a lot of it is they're just so tired. Mm-hmm. And it's you can't, you know, today, for example, because my big one's not well, so they haven't been out anywhere. Um, they've been in their pajamas all day and they've loved it. Yeah, yeah. Just loved being in their pajamas and just doing painting and art and running around like crazy. But tomorrow they're gonna have to leave the house. And I and I'm off for my uh works Christmas party in London. Oh yeah, nice one. The well I have to call it quits. I've got a I've got a beach calling my name before I start work this morning. Oh, nice. Nice. I, I, well <laughs> um I'm just waiting for my wife. I saw I've got a uh window overlooks the um, the rear gate of my house here and I saw my wife about half an hour walk out with a towel. So I know that she's headed down the beach. <laughs> well, just make sure uh, you put lots of sun cream on, you know, because uh, there's a lot of pasty skin that I can see when you're sat there in your singlets. Yep, that's okay. The sun is which, only, which... sun's not at the uh, angle where it's going to set me on fire as yet. That's what's good about but, um, just for well, just for anybody listening who isn't in Australia, it's a vest. <laughs> Seriously, the term vest is what you put over a dress shirt. No, that's or a... It's puffy. That's a, that's a gilet. You call what the third part of a three-piece suit, you're calling a gilet? No, 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 What's no. What's that called? That's a, that's a waistcoat. Oh, that's waistcoat. a waistcoat. Right, okay. Yeah, a gilet is the is the puffy one with no arms. What what is you, what do you okay? What other words that are French that you don't need to use the French word for? Are we going to have in our conversation? Um, well, I was going to say you, you know if you if you follow the Back to the Future, yeah. and it's a uh, life reserve, life vest. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, exactly. that's 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 enough of that. Well, have a great Christmas. If um and you too, listeners out there, drive safe. There's getting a lot of people out on the road. Don't overconsume, but enjoy those cars because it's a great opportunity to get them out. Absolutely. Catch you on the next one. Thank you.